you know, it was, um, I guess we've been here in, on the eastern side of the state now about 18 years or so, and um, prior we spent just shy, I think, of 10 years on the west. Some of you have heard tell Bishop and I would minister together at times. Um, I was reflecting on some of this the last couple of days. My wife and I took a couple of days and got away and just spent some time together and did some walking and talking and some praying and listening and waiting. And I was reflecting on some of those years there where oftentimes there would be, for many Sundays, at least on Sunday service, it would be both Bishop and I would both be ministering. And the way that usually worked is we would end up in the prayer room and he would look and say, got anything or something like that. And it was, some of you sort of think like, really, that's how it worked. Well, yeah, that's sort of how it worked. It would be like, you got anything? I was like, well, I don't know, maybe. You know, I feel like the Lord's been talking to me, but I'm, you know, I'm just sort of feeling after the Holy Ghost. And, and he would say, okay, well, I'll start. And so we'd have service, and he would take the microphone and begin ministering from the Word. And he'd get to a point, and then he would just hand the mic over to me. and Or vice versa, he would say, man, I got nothing today. I think I'm just going to have you start. Or not. It wasn't always like that way. I'm just giving you an example of how it might sound sometimes. And uh, Or I'd say, man, Bishop, I don't have anything. And he'd be like, okay, I'll start. And then along the way, he might turn and... And many of those Sundays for a while, both of us would, uh, the Lord would, and it would, it would just flow uh, seamlessly. There were, early on, there were quite a few who thought he and I got together and planned those things and compared our notes and sort of worked them out together so that we could it really wasn't that. It was just something the Holy Ghost was doing and teaching us about hearing and flowing. And um, it's probably been rekindled in my spirit afresh thinking about it these last few days just from the ministry on Sunday, reflecting on different things. And uh, Anyway... I just felt like I wanted to share that with you. It, it may become more common even here. I'm not trying to make something happen. I hope you understand that. Um, but but we, we must be led by the Spirit of God in the Word of God. The Spirit of God will never lead us outside of His Word. You understand? The Spirit of God will never lead us outside of His Word. His word is our structure. His word is our guide. Now, there have been times where um, we have walked into things and operated in areas of ministry or doing certain things without full understanding, but knowing the Spirit of the Lord was leading us. That's why we have accountabilities. 
but knowing the Spirit of the Lord was leading us only to have something revealed. Then the Word begins to speak to us, and it's like, oh, my goodness, this is where the Spirit of God has been leading us, and we get greater understanding of where the Spirit was leading us. And um, an example that comes to mind there is early morning prayer. We had spent several years in early morning prayer before Brother Bailey ever came and began to minister from the Word of God. We knew something was happening, praying early in the morning before the break of day. But when he began to minister all those things, it was like for us, like, oh, my goodness, this is what we've entered into. And so uh, the Lord does that sometimes. Now, some people, he'll show you something in the Word, and you're like, Lord, how in the world do I do this? How do I walk in that? And I have some of those questions sometimes. But the Lord knows our frame, and there's times where more often than not, it seems in my life, he will begin to lead me into things, and I'll seek to be obedient and uh, then he'll begin to reveal stuff in the word of, this is where I've been leading you. I'm not talking about getting off in left field and then hoping the Lord confirms it with his word, right? This is why we have accountabilities again. Um, but we must be led by the Spirit, and it will always be within the word of God. Amen? Amen. I'm asking Brother Renee to come. I, I will tell you, for those that were here Sunday in the second service, uh, Brother Ethan ministered right at the outset. We sort of started a little different in the second service. Uh, I think we prayed for a minute, and then I asked uh, Brother Ethan to minister from the Word before we went into worship. And the Holy Ghost really ministered in the few minutes that he yielded. The Lord spoke to us, and I told Brother Renee after service, I said, man, I almost just put you on the spot to just come up here and take the microphone. And uh, he didn't know I was going to share this tonight. He, he said, I didn't know I was going to share it either. But he said, um, he said, man, Elder, I felt like I probably had something. <laughs> That's usually how it goes when you think you got something, then, then they don't call on you. I think it was Sister Schoonover that said one time, I feel like when I got something, they don't call on me. But then when they, don't, when they call on me, I got nothing. I remember her, and I was like, I could relate to that when she said that. But um, I, I share that, and I told Brother Renee, I said, Brother Renee, I may have missed it. Forgive me. And that can happen to us. I said, but I'd like you to be ready Thursday. Now, I don't expect him, nor am I telling him not to share whatever came into his heart on Sunday. I want him to share what the Holy Ghost has him to share for tonight. If that's what the Lord dealt with him about Sunday, great. If it's something different, great. Amen? Would you open your spirit? I believe it's open. I feel like your spirit's open tonight, and I thank you for that. That's critical to receiving of the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Brother Renee, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Brother Jerry, can we go to Matthew chapter 25? And I am going to share what I had on Sunday. But uh, it's what God gave me, and it's just been um, inspiration that has prompted me to dig more uh, since then. Now, I'm going to revisit what Brother Ethan started, but it's, it's, it's been turning in me, as I said, and just made me look at it in a different element. And so, um, 
Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 1. Uh, the parable of the ten virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We must believe that our work is not in vain. That's what I want to talk to you about. Now this parable, uh, interesting thing about par parables, whenever the Lord Jesus Christ talks about uh, a specific value that he wants to share to the people. He always talks in parables and then later expounds on it to a close-knit, a close group of people that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And so, um, in my language, I want to know more, so I'll dig in more, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that's the purpose of a parable. Yeah. To anyone that doesn't care, they'll probably just hear it and move on. But to those that want to know more about his word, they're going to really want to search it out more. And so it is, uh, this parable of the ten virgins, uh, we have the five and we have the, we have the five uh, wise and the five foolish. We know that the oil represents the spirit, as, uh, as we heard from Elder. We know that this is about the called and the chosen. And uh, if you didn't, there was ten that were called to a, into a, a wedding, a marriage, and of the ten, five were chosen because they had their vessels full of oil. They were ready. They were prepared. The bridegroom came at an hour, but nobody expected. Why were they wise, and why were they foolish? Simply because they had oil in their vessels. I don't know. I mean, the scripture says... Uh, the foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels. I don't know if the foolish didn't have vessels, so to speak, but we know that they said that we have none. Our lamps are put out. We know that they did not prepare. We can, ex we can, we can uh, what's the word? Uh, we can infer that all ten had the same time available to them. Everything was available to them. How they chose to work with that is what separated them from the called to the chosen. And I believe that in the time that it took for the marriage to come, it could have been a long time or a little time, but there was work to be done, if that makes sense. Because the foolish, and this is what I was thinking, there are five people 
that probably thought it's daytime. I don't need a lamp. You know, there's the scripture that says the thief cometh. I mean, I'm sorry, that he will come like a thief in the night, meaning we won't expect it. <laughs> it could be at any hour of any day of any time when we least expect it. No man knows when the son of man will come, but just to be ready. And so having the oil ready is what separates us. Having the oil ready is what prepares us to the marriage. And uh, I wonder if, uh, not so much wonder, but like the next parable about the servants and the talents, as Brother Ethan alluded to, but I also just want to touch on, you know, the, the one with the ten talents, the one with the five, and they've prepared and they bought and sold, or what the scripture says, there had to be a level of faith to work with what wasn't theirs. You know, the Holy Ghost was given to us, and there has to be faith to be able to work to do what he's called us to do. And I, and I wonder, I ponder how somebody could just bury the one talent, you know? Because the scripture says that he knew his master. <laughs> He knew him. I'd like to go to Hebrews chapter 6. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 10, verse 10 and 11. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. And I want to go again to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very last verse. Our work is not in vain. Praise God. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hold that place. Because, uh, you know, I'll just say in uh, Galatians 6, 9, you know, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due time we will, uh, we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap. And then Galatians, I mean, excuse me, uh, Colossians chapter 3. Slowest page turner. Get my basket. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Thank you, brother. So, uh, 22 and through 25. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Next verse. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Jesus, the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. I said hold your place in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 19. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm making you do a lot more than what you're used to. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep. Why does it matter when he says, now is Christ risen? Because now we are forgiven of sins. Now we live unto Christ and it's not in vain. Because if he, if he was dead, then we wasted our lives, but he is risen. He has uh, risen in power, and so can we. And we can do all works unto him, like the scripture has said. I have faith. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, and I love it the way the Amplified says it, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. In Philippians 3, in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Our work is not in vain. I know that I myself, I'll be the first to admit, if nobody else, it gets tiring. <laughs> it gets tiring, but you know, we have a faithful friend who gives us strength each and every day. When we can come to him with our talents, when we can come to him with what really wasn't ours to begin with, and give it to him, he can help us. He can lead us and guide us. And uh, we can trust that he has done the work since the beginning, and we have him to thank you for. Thank you. I want Amen. Has God given you talents? Has God given you talents? Some of you have never thought about that. If God has given you a talent, the next question becomes, how am I using the talent he gave me? Right? How am I using it? Let's talk about that a little bit. The book of John. Thank you, Brother Renee. How many of you have worked or work an hourly job? Raise your hand if you've ever worked or you now work an hourly job. I mean, you know, you get paid by the hour. Um, my, my wife and I today, we were, when we were sitting at lunch, when we stopped on our way back home, um, we were watching this gentleman work where we were working. He was cleaning, and uh, there's a sort of a food court area, and he was cleaning. And I made this statement to my wife. I said, 
That man gets paid by the hour. Now, some of you are chuckling because you know what I'm talking about. The initiative to get the job done was not there. I, he, was, he was cleaning. There was a, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing the man. I'm telling you what I observed. It, it seemed like he may have, uh, I, I want to be full transparency, it seemed like he may have had some disability as well, and he was probably like a disabled worker that was given some stuff to do. I want to be transparent here, and so I'm not mocking or making fun. I'm I'm painting a picture of what I saw here, too. Okay, so all right. Don't want something to get taken out of context. But he had this um, he had this towel, and he was cleaning this piece of art that looked like a silver tuba, and uh, it was it was tall. He was he was probably my height, and he would come up here on it, and it would come out. And, my wife sort of had her back to him, but I, I couldn't help but watching him and observing him. And he, he would wipe it, and he, he'd get it up here like this, and he'd stand. And I could tell he was just sort of people watching through. <laughs> and so he'd hold his towel right there. Then he'd go back, and I watched him come back and clean that same spot like three times. And... Um, I don't know if that's a good use of talent. Anybody like busy work? Look at those hands. Some of you do. There's people that do, right? I hate busy work. Like don't, and when I say that, I don't mean, don't give me work just to keep me busy. That's what I mean when I say busy work. I don't want to be idle, but don't just give me something to occupy. Like, I want to do purposeful work. You with me? I want to do purposeful work. I want to do work that brings value. Amen? And so the use of talent sometimes involves work. But we are, we are, we're going to meander here for a minute, and then we'll just sort of come home, okay? We are not saved by works. We understand that, right? We are saved by grace through faith, and it is the gift of God. Now, but this is where people get disconnected sometimes. In our world today, people say, well, ah, you're not saved by works. It's not about what you do. Well, I, I, I agree with the first part. I disagree with the second part. I agree you're not saved by works. I don't agree that it's not about what you do. Okay? I know some of you are like, okay, I'm confused. What's he trying to say? Well, we didn't say, anybody here save yourself? Of course not. No. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's a faith and a belief and a confidence in the Word of God. We believe there's an empty tomb. We believe that... God himself came and robed himself in flesh and dwelt among us. We believe this man, Christ Jesus, that was all God and all man, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We, we believe this. And this man, Christ Jesus, who was God in the flesh, allowed himself to be the sacrificial lamb 
His blood shed for the remission of our sins. He rose again the third day and conquered death, hell, and the grave. You believe this? I believe this. And thereby, when I believe that and I enter into that, that's what saves me. I'm saved by the gospel. Now, I know there's some of you are like walking through all that, but you understand. I'm saved by the gospel. I didn't do any of that. He did all that. But now that he saved me, he didn't, I, this is going to, he, you understand, he did not save me just so I could say he saved me. He saved me with a purpose. And his purpose, one of his purposes for saving you and I is that you and I would let our light so shine before men that they may see your good what? They're going to see what? Works. Hold on. I thought we're not saved by works. We're not. But once we're saved, works. 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 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good Everybody, good works. And glorify who? Oh, not me. I'm not working so people will see the good works I do and go, look at him. He is such an amazing Christian. I'm not doing good works to validate myself and my ministry. That's not my purpose. I'm not doing good works to show people that I'm somebody. No. Let your light so shine before men that men may see your good works. And when they see the good works, apparently what they're going to see is going to reveal to them that this really wasn't you or I that did it anyway. And they recognize something operating in mine and your life. And they glorify the one from which it came. It's like the talents. Where'd they get the talents? The master. What were they supposed to use the talents for? The profit of the master. Not themselves. If we're not careful, we'll use talents he gives us to profit ourselves. Okay, let's read. Aren't you glad you've come to church tonight? Anybody want to live with purpose? You're, you're called with a purpose. Now, I said I don't like busy work. I want purposeful work. The Lord said about his work that his labor was difficult and strenuous and hard. And is that what he said? He didn't say that, did he? He actually said that his yoke was easy and his burden was light he said come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Oh, do you hear that? Sometimes what I want to do, this is really going in a different direction than I thought, but here we are. What I want to do is I want to, okay, he washed, I repented of my sins. I saw the word and someone baptized me in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and all my sins were washed away and I began to worship him and he gave me what he promised he'd give me, the gift of his spirit, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I've now been repented, washed in the blood, filled with the Spirit of God. And now I'm called of God. I'm called of God to do a work. But for some reason, our human nature, and I'm as guilty as anybody in this room, maybe more so. I have to fight. We all have to fight our human nature, you understand. We began looking, okay. Now, I think it's a good thought process to say, Lord, what can I do for you? Amen? I want to I be about my Father's business. We get that from the Lord Jesus' example. But if I'm not careful, I'm going, i got to be doing something for him, and I start finding stuff to do that isn't what he asks of me, and therefore I'm never doing what he would ask me because I'm always trying to do to prove to him something Rather than simply him saying, hey, I didn't ask you to do all that. And I feel the urgency of the hour and the spirit of the Lord is saying, I have work for you to do. But I'd like you to be doing what I want you doing, not what you think you need to be doing. That's why I think that things might start shifting and changing a little bit. There is work to be done. Now, when he fills us with his spirit, he then begins working on us. Now, he works on us before that. But this is what Paul was talking about, I believe, when he said to the church, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. What's happening? That's the spirit of the Lord working on us. That's often why we come and gather in the house of God. Is for him to work on us. But you know, somewhere along the way, we got to decide he's always going to be working on me. But that doesn't mean I'm not engaged in the work that he wants me to do. He is God, so he's able to work on me while he uses me in his work. So this is for somebody. Stop making excuses. Well, when I get this, then I'll. And when this happens, then I'll. And once I get past this, then I'll. I keep going back to the sun. What are you doing with the talent you've already got? You know, in that parable, he, in one of the gospels with that parable, the one that had hid the one, he said, take it and give it to who? The one that had ten. The one that had five and turned it into ten. He didn't say take the one and, well, you know what? The one's already got ten. Give it to the one that's got four, that turned two into four. Why did he say take the one and give it to the two? Here's why. He said, he's learned how to do the work I want him to do with what I put in his hand. Get it to him. We've got to do the work that he gives us to do. And sometimes the reason we don't progress 
in God working through our lives is because we're not doing the work he's called us to do with the talent he's already given us. Now, what does that look like? Now we're going to read. I'm really trying to get here. Because we make it difficult. And it's not. It's not. John chapter 15. Verse number 1. Jesus is speaking here. I would like to read John most of 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 tonight, but we won't. Somebody said amen. So we're, thank you. Thank you, angel. John 15, verse number one. Jesus is speaking. Listen to his words. I know here's the problem. I'm going to read this and some of us, many of us know these verses. And so we're just going to get ahead. Please don't. Please let's walk together for just a moment. Okay. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Okay? He's the one that takes care of the vine. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Next verse. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, what does he do? Takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? Purges it. Uh, some translations read he cleans it. Some translations read he prunes it. It means the same thing, okay? Every branch that does bear fruit, he doesn't leave it alone. He purges it. Why does he purge it? Why does he prune it? Why does he clean it? Why does he do this? Why does he do this? This, this isn't rocket science. More fruit. I think he has a purpose for you. I think he has a purpose for me. Fruit. He wants our lives to produce fruit. Yes? If our life is not producing fruit, what happens? Some of you are scared to say what happens, but you just read the verse. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. This is a work of the Spirit of God. Okay? Jesus said, I'm the vine, my father is the husbandman. Okay? If it's not producing fruit, the Spirit of the Father takes it away. But the branches that are producing fruit, the Spirit begins to prune them. That's why you go through stuff sometimes. He knows it will cause you and I to produce more fruit. I can't comprehend. I watch these guys in the winter. It's getting ready to start happening again. I watch them. I see these orchards that are in the spring. You do too. Beautiful and green and flowers and everything. I mean, they look good, but there's no fruit. Got to be careful about that too, right? I mean, to me, the cherry trees and the apple trees, there's no more beautiful time for those trees than the spring. 
But the only thing they're good for in the spring is to look at. They ain't feeding nobody. Let's make sure we're not just good to look at. Got to produce fruit. And so, got to produce fruit. And so, we're coming into the season now where we're watching. And I see these trees, and then I see them in the harvest time, right? And they got fruit hanging all over them. And, man, then they're really beautiful, right? These red apples and golden apples. And I like July, too, with all the cherries. But, right? And we, we just come. And then they come, and the, the leaves all fall, and they look just so bare. And then the unthinkable of unthinkable happens. They go through it. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing for people who have never witnessed it before to come for the first time and be in the valleys and watch this process. You know, we've seen it a few times. We're like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? Somebody's looking, they're like, they're cutting off all of them. It'll be okay. Really, it's okay. They know what they're doing. Why? Oh, they understand to produce fruit. If they leave all those little things on there, it's not going to produce quality fruit. It may have fruit that is fruit, but it's not quality, and the value is diminished, and its purpose is diminished. And therefore, those that are the husbandmen of the vineyard or of the orchard understand, we've got to come through and do this. There has to be a season. Consistently, there has to be a time of pruning because we know fruit's going to be produced again. This is what Jesus is talking about. He knows this about mine and your life. Why is it that mine and your life goes through seasons that it seems like, man, I'm on top of the world. God, seems like everything the Lord's involving me in stuff's taking place wherever I go. And then it seems like, man, I just hit a dry spell sometimes. And I, I, I'm praying, I'm reading the word, but what's going on? And like, then the Lord starts shining the light in areas and he starts cutting away some stuff. And you're like, oh man, oh, that hurts. I didn't realize that had sort of got there. I thought I dealt with that. Or you fill in the blank, right? Or, oh man, how did that even get in? What's happening? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is saying, I need you to keep producing fruit. I have designed you for this purpose, and this is why I saved you, and so therefore, this is a pruning process. This is what he does. This is what he does. Now, here's a question. Don't raise your hand too quickly, but I do want you to raise your hand in response. How many of you want a life that produces fruit? Now, how many of you would like to know how? Then we're in the right place tonight. If my life and your life isn't producing fruit, you're going to know why before the night's over. Verse number three. Now you are clean, that's purged, pruned, through the word which I have spoken unto you, verse number four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot, that's you and I, we're the branch, right? You and I, I'm going to fill that in. You and I cannot bear fruit of ourself. That's trying to do work to prove and validate myself but not being connected to the vine. It's not the vine producing the fruit. It's me trying to do stuff so it looks like fruit. 
You and I can't produce fruit of ourselves. We can be busy. That's busy work. That's busy work. That's just trying to do the stuff I, well, I think that's, well, you know what? That's what Brother John and Sister Jane Doe are doing. And there's fruit in their life. So I'm going to just do what they do. I'll be, and, I, and you know what? You get frustrated because I'm doing what they're doing, but nothing's happening. Well, because they're connected to the vine, and this is how the vine has told them to be functioning. And so fruit, you're just trying to reproduce. You're doing busy work. You're not, you're not. You with me? You'll get frustrated quickly. Abide in me and I in you. See, we read back past that because we know that. When you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father, not the promise from the Father, the promise of the Father. It's the Father who dwells in you, His Spirit. Yes. It's the very Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in you. The Spirit of the Father. It's another Bible study, another time we can walk through that. Go read John 14 and it makes sense. Dwelling in you. But notice the first thing that Jesus said there in verse 4 is not I in you. We talk a lot about him living in us. Yes? But Jesus said, if you live in me and I live in you. See, here's the deal. When we go through the process, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, when we go through that and we see the beauty of that, we believe that, we receive it, we walk in it, we experience in our life, and Christ is in us, that's the hope of glory. But what he's trying to do is say, now that I'm in you, I'd like to get you in me. I'd like to get you from where you've been living on your own to living and abiding in me. If you'll abide in me and I in you, as the branch can't bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. Remember I told you we were going to know why we weren't producing fruit if we weren't? It's right there. If you don't abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. If you want to show that your life is not abiding in him, it won't produce fruit. That's the evidence. I hope that doesn't sound unkind. I'm not trying to be. It's what the word says. If mine and your life is not producing spiritual fruit, it's an issue. It's, it's one of two things. It's either him and me, and that's not true, that he's not in me. Or I'm not abiding in him. And so what happens is, oftentimes, is we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and we're too busy to abide in him. And because we're really busy, we figure I'll find a way to be busy for him. But I never learned to abide in him and abiding in him is how fruit's produced 
Verse 5, let's keep going. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you're keeping up, this is the third time he said this. He wants to make sure we understand who's what, and I think we do. He, here he says it again, he that abides in me and I in him, what happens? He brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, you read that verse and you're like, I can do lots of things without him. Yes, you can. But that's not what he's talking about, anything. He's talking about spiritually producing fruit. He's talking about spiritual works that should be done so that men see the work and glorify him. He's saying, you can't do that at all without me. You can act like, you can imitate, you can cookie cutter, copycat, whatever, you fill in the blank. You can do all that, but it will not produce true spiritual fruit. How do we know? It goes back to what he said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. For there to be spiritual fruit, there must be an abiding in the vine, in him. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse number 6. If a man does not abide in me, what happens to the man? He is cast forth as a branch. He withers. And men gather him or them, the branches, and they cast them into the fire and they are burned. I'm telling you, sadly, I have watched people who have gotten disconnected from the vine. And they wonder, why, man, I don't know why I'm just struggling more. I, I tell you what's happening. Spiritually, they're withering. Spiritually, they're withering. Drying out. Drying out. Drying out. You take a branch and you cut it off from a vine. The leaves may stay on it for a few days. They may stay green for a few days. And that's the deception. We have to stay connected to the vine. Jesus said, if a man doesn't abide in me, he's cast forth as a branch. He withers, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. Verse 7, if you, do you think he's trying to say something here? Again, I know we know these verses. But I have been stuck here the last couple of days. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done to you. I've heard people ask me, you know, the Bible says that we'll ask him and he'll do it. How come I ask but it doesn't happen? Well, that's probably an abiding issue. I know we don't use this word very often, but if I were to say to you, hey, Brother Lewis, I'd like to come by later. I got to drop something off. Tell me, where do you abide? At your house? Where's that at? We put him on the spot. Sorry. 
20 of that. He knows where he abides, maybe. <laughs> Sister Julie's driving home tonight. Okay. We don't use the word abide, right? We say where I live, yes? Right. But that's what it means. Where do you abide? If I just say to all of you and I go around the room, where do you abide? You can give me your address and where you abide. Or you might say, well, you know, it seems like I abide. I live at work more than I live at home some days. Right? I can relate to that sometime. Brother Rigo might say, I live in the truck, you know, some weeks. All right. Where do you abide? We understand the word abide, yes? Okay. There's no hidden meaning in the Greek there. It means where you live. Where you live. Jesus said multiple times in these first seven verses, if you abide in me, where you abide, if you abide in me, you'll produce fruit. If you abide in me, you'll produce fruit. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll produce fruit. This is a promise of the word of God. This is a declaration from the Lord Jesus Christ. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bring forth fruit. He's not a man that he can lie. And so the question that I feel the Spirit of the Lord asking of me is where are you abiding? Where do you live? Where do you live? I don't mean the address that you give people if I'm coming by, Brother Lewis. Where do you live? Where do you live in your thoughts throughout the day? Where do you live in your spare time when you have this sound? I, I, this is hard for me to say, but where do you live when you have time to waste? Where do you, or let me say it this way for some of you that are like, oh, I don't have time because we really don't have time to waste. Where do you live when you have spare time? Where do you live in your free time? Where do you live in your home? I want to make sure that makes sense to you. Where do you live in your home? Where do you live on your phone? Where do you abide? Where do you live with what you're reading? Where do you live with what you're watching? Where do you live? Where do you abide? Where is your life lived at? Not just your physical life through the course of the day. Yes, your physical life. But your thought life. Where is it lived at? Your time, your energy, your effort, your thoughts. Where do I live at? Do I abide in Him? Or am I abiding in my goals and my dreams and my plans? Am I abiding in my efforts and my agendas and my schedule? Am I, are you hearing the word of the Lord tonight? Where do I abide? I'm telling you, the urgency of the hour that's upon us, is, it's now. It's now. It's now. And, and there's an urgency of the Spirit. And the Lord is saying, I'd like to have you go from me abiding in you. I think you understand that. I'm trying to move you to abiding in me. 
Yes, I'll live in you. I'm asking something more. I'm asking you to live in me. When you wake up in the morning, I want you thinking about me. When you go to bed at night, I want you thinking about me. When you're working through the day, I want your thoughts filled with me. When you're doing the things you're doing, you got to do stuff. I know when you're in the grocery store shopping, I want you abiding in me. When you're doing your job through the course of the day, I know you got to focus on things, but I want you abiding in me. I want a sensitivity that I'm always there there and if you'll abide in me and I'll abide in you you will produce fruit you'll produce pray with me right now please in the name of Jesus Teach us to make our abode in you. Teach us to make our abode in you. Teach us to make our abode in you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We won't exhaust the word tonight. We don't have time. But again, we, we, we believe in and we speak so often of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we should. We should have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. But just as important as where we dwell. It's Paul asking the question, what know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know he dwells in you. How would you dwell anywhere else but him? It's what Jesus prayed in John 17. We don't have time to go there tonight. But he said, I'm in my father. My father's in you. And you're in us, in me. He's talking to them about where they live every day. We are in a, such a distracted society, especially in North America. If you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. And it shall be done. How could Peter and John say, we don't have silver and gold, but what we have, we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It wasn't just because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm filled with the same Holy Ghost they are. Or they were. It's where they'd been abiding. We know that because the very next chapter, chapter 4, they've got the people asking them, by what name and by what authority have you done this? Is this man made whole? And they tell them by the name of Jesus, and they tell them, verse 12, for neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And, and notice, notice what those who asked them the question said about them. 
said, we know that these are ignorant and unlearned men, but they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. I have a question. Do people notice that you have been with Jesus? I don't mean do you talk about him. I realize I'm digging a little bit tonight. We've got to go here. It's too late. We've got to go here. Can people look and say, man, I was, I was at work the other day, and I don't know, this guy there at work, I mean, I, I work at Centos. We just deal with rugs and uniforms and stuff like that. But, man, the guy that was there, he just said a few words, and when he said it, man, I felt the Spirit of God, and I haven't felt that in that way in a long I. I don't know, but do people get around you and your conversation? I don't mean just your, con I mean it in the sense of the scripture word, your lifestyle and the fact that where you've been spending your time comes out. And they're like, they've been with Jesus, I can tell. I was a kid, I was younger, I'd come home from school and I'd say something. I thought it was one of the dumbest parents, my dumbest questions my parents ever asked me. Not dumbest parents. Parents, I apologize. <laughs> I thought it was one of the dumbest questions my parents ever asked me. And they ask it many of times. I'd say something I shouldn't have said. And they were like, where did you hear that at? I'm like, what do you mean, where did I hear that at? You know I didn't hear it at church. You know I didn't hear it at home. That's the only places we go other than school. I kid you not. When I was a kid, it was either home or church, home or church, home or church. Twice on Sunday, twice during the week. I'm not complaining. Somebody said I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church, drug me to church, drug me to youth group, drug me to prayer meeting, drug me to Bible study, drug me to. Well, they knew where I got it from. I got it from the people I'd been spending time with at school. When you and I abide in him, when we abide in him, we don't have to tell people we've been spending time with him. It comes out. Hear me. We're too distracted. We got too many little gods. We really do. We got too many little gods that we give our time, energy, effort. I'm talking to myself as much as anybody. Too many little gods we give our time, effort, energy to. And we say, I just don't have time to abide in him. You understand, abiding in him doesn't mean I lock myself in a room and I just got it 24-7. I'm about, No, no, I can go through my day and be abiding in him. I can grab my phone and be abiding in him. But just as assuredly, I can grab my phone and I cannot be abiding in him just pretty quick. If you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done. I want to live right there.
I believe with all of my heart. I'm really just going to finish here. It's been stirring. We've started this thing. Thank you, brother and sister Riojas. We've started this thing with reading the scripture together. Again, I hope that's not the only reading you're doing through the course of your day, those one or two chapters. But I think it's great. I love people talking about the word communicating about the word and how the word is talking to them. I don't want to just read the word. I want the word to read me. I want it affecting my life. And so I love how people are talking about what they see in the word, what the word spoke to their life and what the word means to them. That's the beauty of the word of God. I believe that 2020, I was telling my wife this the other day. I feel like I'm not a like slogan person by any means, but I sort of feel a slogan coming on. I, I, I feel like 2024 is the year of the year of the word living in the word and the word living in us if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you you're going to ask what you will it'll be done Now, watch the verse that comes after that. That's what I want. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. It just keeps coming back to fruit. As the Father has loved me, I've loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, watch. Here's a little more instruction. You're going, how do I abide? If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in His love. These things, watch, these things have I spoken to you. Why is he telling us all this? Why is he telling us all this about abiding in him and his word abiding in us and producing fruit and abiding in his love and keeping his commandments, the Father being glorified, us producing fruit? Why is he telling us all this stuff? Here's why. All these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. Don't raise your hand. I'm not even going to look that way. How many of you would like a life full of joy? How many of you would like to be able to say, the joy of the Lord Jesus remains in me? It's there. It all comes back to where we abide. The purpose of abiding in him is to produce fruit, to abide in his love, and to be full of joy. And yet the adversary would deceive us to think, I'm just so busy. I just don't have time. I'm just so distracted. I just so love doing this. And this means so much to me. And this, and I'm going, how come I'm not producing fruit? How come I don't feel like I'm in the love of God? How come I just don't have joy? They're all products of where we abide.
So I thought I got the Holy Ghost and that was it. Well, when you got the Holy Ghost, you felt the joy of the Lord because he filled you. And in that moment, you weren't distracted by anything else. He came and filled your life and you were all about him. In that moment, you were abiding in him and he was abiding in you. And he continues to abide, but we stop. We go back to other things. And we lose the joy of the Lord. We question whether he really loves us. We stop producing fruit. Stand with me tonight. Please. Now watch. I'm going to read these last few verses here. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Now remember he said, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. See, all this is together. He's not like jumping around. This is all together. He said, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Well, what's your commandment? This is my commandment. That you love one another based on how one another deserves it. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Sorry. That was the human version. You love one another the way I have loved you. Can I just, I'm going to meddle quickly. Husbands and wives, parents and children, it starts in the home. Moving on, verse 13. Some of you got really nervous. Greater love, say, oh, I love people. Don't tell me you love people and then you don't love your wife the way he loved you. Or you're not working at that at least. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends. Now, we read that verse before, and then we read that, and we're like, oh, man, he loves us. What a friend, because he laid down his life for us, right? You missed the point. Yes, that part is true. He did lay down his life for us because he's our friend. But he was saying, hey, there's no greater love that a friend has than to lay down his life for a friend. You are my friends. You love me. You have great love for me. There's no greater love that you can show him than to lay down your life for your friend. Watch, you're my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Three more verses. Henceforth, I don't call you servants. Some translations say I don't call you slaves anymore. Henceforth, I do not call you servants because the servant doesn't know what his Lord does. The servant just does what he's told without knowing anything else. But I've called you friends. And the reason I've called you friends is because all things I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. This is a product of abiding in him. Verse 16, 
You didn't choose me. I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and do what? He just sort of stuck on this, didn't he? This is why I chose you. This is why I ordained you so that you should come to church and be filled and happy and excited. No, 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 no. I chose you and I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And then when you bring forth fruit, it should remain that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. By the way, that's the third time he's talked about asking and him giving. Last verse 17. These things I command you, that you love one another. If you're keeping track, that's the second time he said that. Could we pray right now? And ask the Holy Ghost to arrest our hearts and our spirit to learn and to practice what it is, Lord, to abide in you. I want to abide in you. I want to live in you. In you, we live and we move and we have our being. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Come on, in him, in him, in him. Lord, Lord, show us. Make us aware of where we abide. Make us aware of where we spend our time and effort that is contrary to abiding in you. Forgive me, Lord, I pray. Forgive me where time has been spent abiding outside of you. I want to live and abide in you every day, every moment. I know this is possible because of what your word asks and declares. Teach us to abide in you. Show us the privilege, Father, and the blessing of abiding in you. Let our lives bring forth much fruit that you would be glorified, Father. Show us, I pray. Lead us, I pray. Use us, O God, according to your purpose in this matter. In the name of Jesus, deliver us, Father, from our own works that weary us and seem to be unfruitful because they are and I pray teach us to abide in you and come to know your yoke that's easy but understanding it produces fruit in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I pray let there be a clearing of the altar and a laying of our life upon it afresh and anew let us be a clearing out of the prayer closet let there be nothing distracting us that we go there afresh and abide in you let the word of God be opened again and again and let us get into your word and come to know you more through it I want to abide in you teach us show us in the name of Jesus we pray in the name of Jesus we pray let us be a people that abide in you in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ 
I pray the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our mind. That we would not be conformed to this world. But we would be transformed. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let me abide in you. Let us abide in you. I was, I was standing in line. I was being very spiritual. I was standing in line to get a free plate of carrots and nachos. There's a couple of elderly people behind me. I was out of state. I was in I was in Palm Springs, California. It was 86 degrees. And I'm standing there getting this free food. This elderly couple behind me in line. And they're like, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm from Yakima." They said, "Oh, out with the weeds and the sticks." I didn't much care for that. I was like, uh, do you know where Yakima is? Yeah. I said, where are you from? Oh, we're here from Puyallup. Oh, really? It's a long ways away to run into somebody from Puyallup. See, when you and I learn to abide in him, Wherever we go, wherever we go, wherever we go, teach us, Lord. Amen? Teach us, Lord. Thank you for your patience tonight. I know we went long. God bless you. Reach someone in Jesus' name. I know we went long, but most of you never go to bed at 830 anyway. It's still early. <laughs>